0: Hello everyone, welcome to the Life Science Rundown. This is Nick Katman with the FDA Group. Before we jump into our discussion for today, just a little bit about the FDA Group. We help life science companies in the areas of quality assurance, regulatory affairs, clinical operations, commissioning, qualification and validation, as well as manufacturing and engineering. We offer three different engagement models, which are consulting, staff augmentation, and full-time employee recruitment. So if you ever find yourself in need, just head over to thefdagroup.com, check us out and get in touch. So today I am going to be speaking with Larry Stevens and I'm gonna give him an opportunity to introduce himself. What we're gonna be talking about is the growing number of enforcement actions um, stem from inspection alternatives. So there was a really good RAPS article that's gonna guide this conversation. Um, Essentially, as a result of the shift from traditional inspectors to alternative methods during the pandemic, many FDA GMP warning letters and import alerts in 2021 were based on product sampling and reviewing firm's written responses to record requests instead of actual inspections. The forward-looking question here is that given the Omicron uh, variant uh, has paused and some inspection activities uh, again have paused, um, the FDA has stated that they may continue using things like remote rec- record reviews well into the future, um, How <clears throat> and how can firms make sure that they're prepared to submit to these reviews an alternative inspection methods? So I have several uh, different questions I'm going to be asking Larry, but before we get into those questions, Larry, would you like to give uh, uh, an overview of kind of who you are and, and what you do?
1: Yeah. Well, I have been working with Nick for almost 10 years now uh, as a contractor of the FDA group. I've also been very recent in the last four years, I've been able to uh, get opportunities to work as an expert witness on the FDA regulation of medical devices. I have a rather unique background. I, I started with FDA in 1972 and worked for for 10 years, and I went into the medical device industry in the areas of regulatory quality and clinical, worked my way up the ladder to VP, and uh, for 18 years did that. And then 2000, I went back to FDA and worked for the, a more modern FDA, uh, not modern by any business standards, but uh, then, and I thought I knew FDA really well until COVID hit, and it's really changed the way they're doing business. And uh, I understand because I just did uh, a virtual, a mock FDA virtual audit on a company, where I never actually visited the site. But but the, there was some issues with getting documents and the things that companies should be aware of because I don't think FDA is going to stop doing this. In other words, the sample collections, they've always done that, but uh, they're going to do more sample collections because they've issued a lot of warning letters on if they're finding stuff. And the other is is that it's, it's more efficient for them to, to do these record audits than it is sending people out. And so the, the on-site inspections will pick up again, no doubt about that, but I don't think the virtual inspection is gone. <laughs>
0: hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> well, what is your overall takeaway from the news that so many warning letters and import alerts were based on these inspection alternatives recently?
1: Well, I, I think, uh, it, you know, FDA is going to enforce some way. They're, they're not going to, if they're not doing inspections, they're going to find some other way to do it. And uh, the import alert uh, issue I'm, I'm very familiar with because I ran the FDA import office out in California for five years as the director of that office. And import alerts uh, are a very, very powerful tool. And I recently got an expert witness case that was based on a virtual uh observation by the FDA, but the, the FDA, the import alert, keeps your product out of the company, country. So it's, it's, a, it's a very powerful action. If the FDA isn't happy with the product that's being imported, uh, they, they put it on import alert, it gets automatically detained. And if you can't find the information, it's gonna go back out. So uh, I, I'm not surprised that this happened but I also know, as one who, as a compliance officer for FDA, I wrote warning letters. The key is the violation. Uh, the, all the, the uh, compliance officer needs to do is to get the documentation, either a, uh, a volatile sample or a report. I don't know that they're issuing FDA 483s for, for these inspections because it's not an on site inspection, but it doesn't stop them from writing a report citing violations. And, and that report could, could then stand uh, as a basis for a warrant, And it has. We know that in 2021, uh, that a, a significant number of warning letters came from records review. And, and that's kind of unusual for FDA, but it, it's the real world of today. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. How do you see things like remote record reviews and remote interactive evaluations being permanent tools in FDA's inspection program?
1: Well, again, I, I think that it, it's it is it's more efficient. It's interesting the record review. FDA has legal authority to review any records that are that are generated to show compliance with the good manufacturing practices. So, uh, testing results, protocols, um, inspection reports, all of those FDA, and they look at those during inspections. And I think most companies are aware of that. But the point is, is they have authority to review those and what the FDA is going to do and what they are doing, and I think they will continue to do it uh, in the case of the one, one, two companies are suing each other over it, but the FDA refused entry of the product because the <clears throat> manufacturer could not document that they were following good manufacturing practice regulations. Either they, they didn't want to, or they weren't following them, or what they are doing, FDA, looked at their documentation and said, well, this is really not sufficient. And and they refused entry of the product. So if you get a request from FDA uh, for a record review, uh, don't be shocked. And also um, how you do it is gonna be interesting because um, the virtual audit that I did recently, they used a Dropbox. And, and as I would send them a list of things I wanted to look at, and they would put those in the Dropbox. But I was a consultant. I wasn't the FDA. Uh, and they were happy, from what I found, that I wasn't the FDA. And uh, then the, I could look at them. But the, the, the problem you've got is that uh, if you give a document to an FDA person, uh, <clears throat> they can copy that, and you won't even know it. And, and that's that's different. You should know that. So, I had a non-disclosure agreement, you know, if I shared any information, they could sue me. Uh, But the FDA, I I would suggest that you get a shared screen. And when they ask to review a document, you bring up the PDF file, and you let them review it in real time, right, right at the time you're with it. And if they say, I want a copy of it, uh, you can ask them why, if, in other words, if they, because you don't want to give them any evidence, you don't have to. So, but, but the big, big deal is, is that the company should have a, have a procedure. Okay. What are we going to do when FDA sends us a record request? How are we going to handle it? What, you know, what, what was the steps we're going to go through, because you don't want to not give them the documents because that, that'll get you a warning letter. So, uh, it's, it's I think, going to become a tool that FDA is going to use with delight because it's yeah. easier for them. <laughs> <clears throat> um,
0: when you ask them, why uh, do you want to copy? Can you imagine an instance where they say, oh, never mind? Or, oh, no,
1: abs- absolutely. I can't. I yeah? can't yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, because if the, the FDA investigators uh, are trained on on the the quality system regulation and they they know how to review documents, but they don't know how to really deal with with extra legal actions. Like for example, uh, if if a if you're during an inspection, an FDA person asks for a copy of a of a procedure or something like that. You, you can get it, you can, you can review it with your internal people, make sure it's the right one and the right issue, and then you, you write on it, you know, copy given to FDA on such and such date. Um, I don't know how it will work electronically in the sense of that, but I think challenging them, uh, a lot of FDA people will ask for everything. And if you give it to them they'll take it so it's it's not inappropriate to say, uh, we, you know you can review this document, but I don't really understand why you would want to take a copy of it we're, we're good with that do? You? And, and and the person may not actually have a good reason and they might just say, Okay, never mind I don't I don't really need a copy after all, and of course that's if that's the outcome that's a good outcome. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. excellent. Wow. good insight. How well do you feel the average manufacturer is prepared to accommodate these alternative uh, oversight tools? Well, not
1: well at all, I don't think, because it's so (laughs) unusual. I think they're in a state of giddy that FDA is not doing on-site inspections, and I worry about the compliance status of some of these companies. Uh, To to think, well, FDA is not coming in, we can back off, I would suggest... Using consultants in place of FDA to come in and assess your quality system on a regular basis. If you're working on the the the, the EU requirements for the medical device um, regulation, the new regulation, there there is a, a notified body inspection required, and I think they're still doing inspections because they get paid for it directly. So, but so it's it's important to not. Relax and say, "Well, FDA is not coming out. We, let's just fire the RAQA guy. He's getting too much money anyway." You <laughs> never want to do that. <laughs> but uh, the other part is uh, importers. Uh, I think that uh, you know, ordering products made outside the U.S., particularly drug products or medical devices, uh, the the compliance of the manufacturer is very important, and FDA does, has in the past, a lot of foreign inspections. They sent me up you know all over Europe and, and to Australia too for that matter, uh, doing foreign inspections. And, but then those inspections stand as a record to allow that product to come into the country because they, they, they show they're compliant or essentially compliant with the GMPs. Now, if they can't do foreign inspections, they may ask, as they did in this one case I'm on, they may ask the company to prove that they're compliant with FDA. So if you're an importer of a, of a medical device, particularly if, you're, if you're, you're arranging to import a medical device, that has been on the market other places, it's gone through the 510 k process and it's been authorized for sale in the US. And so you order it to come in, but it'll be the first time it comes in um, I can tell you what the import office does. They, they hold that and they check the registration status to make sure that the manufacturer's registered. And then they sometimes will collect a sample. Uh, they're collecting more samples now. But, but the, the third thing they do is check the, the status of the compliance of the company. If there's no FDA inspection of that facility, um, FDA may ask for some kind of a document to show that you have a, a quality system that meets our A20 or 311. And, and I don't think companies have that. That's something they might wanna start thinking about if they're an importer. And if they're importing new new drugs or new devices from outside the US from companies who don't have an inspection history with the FDA, uh, they might wanna start preparing in advance a document and get it reviewed by people who know what they're reviewing and, and let, it, let it stand as a, a way to show that you you are operating in compliance, you just didn't have that FDA inspection. I don't I don't think companies are ready for that, but they're importing. They need to think about that.
0: What are some potential readiness blind spots or gaps <coughs> that a company might have here? In other words, where are companies likely not prepared?
1: Well, I think they're not probably not prepared with internal staff. In other words, uh, the the change of the approach is that uh, they are not coming on site, but they're gonna be asking for records. Well, do you have the people who are familiar enough with your system to be able to get those records expeditiously? Do you have them all as PDF files? In other words, do you have a, an electronic way of displaying those things that will allow somebody to remotely review the documents? If you haven't got that, uh, you need to make sure you, you, you are, are thinking about it and that you've got the staff trained on that and how to do that and, and run through mock requests to, to see how well your people can respond. I don't, you know, the thing is you got document control people. Uh, they're, they're very few of them are actually filing papers anymore because most of them, the uh, systems are electronic. So your document control people have, actually have an easier job now because they just uh, make sure that you're using the computer system correctly to modify documents and getting them approved. So some additional responsibilities that could come in for FDA virtual inspections, uh, where records are requested involved so I think that uh, an assessment I think a company should do an internal assessment are we really ready to, to deal with this and you may not need more people but you may need to reassign people. Uh, I, Think I think one of the things that I wonder how the FDA is going to handle is process validation. In other words, during an on-site inspection, uh, you go out and you look at the manufacturing processes and you pick the one that looks like it's the most critical one and you say, okay, I want to see the, the IQ, OQ, PQ for this and I want to see your master validation plan. Um, they... I, I don't know if FDA is asking for those, but they, they probably will. If they're going to substitute virtual inspections for actual on site inspections, then they've got to look at process controls and process validation. And the question is uh, do you have those kind of documents ready to, to be shared with FDA electronically? Uh, do you have the reports, the validation reports? Uh, it's similar that you would do. On an on-site, but you have, you know, it's it's it's, it's your routine. And you go get the, the report. If it's electronic, you print it out. And you give it to the FDA guy, and they read it, and then they give it back to you, and you're done. Well, that's not going to happen. So, having a system in place where you you're able to anticipate what the kinds of questions FDA would ask, and if you've been through a few inspections, you know what they look like. Look for. Uh, then uh, thinking, okay, virtually, how would we ha- how would we deal with that? And uh, I, I don't think I think if you if you're a compliant company and you've been working hard to stay in compliance, I think more the, the only question is can you document that well? You're not going to have to correct a lot of stuff. But if you got problems, the virtual audit will bring them out. I can tell you that uh, the, I, this audit that I did, uh, I was hired by a company. Uh, that is is using a device company, it's a combination product. The company has an approved drug and they uh, offered an opportunity for the the delivery system to be used with them. And they they wanted me to audit the design history file for the device component. So I did that virtually, but uh, I did something else, which FDA will do. I looked at their website and I found out the website had testimonials on it and i asked them is your product on the market yet and they go no no it's not i said well your website is kind of implying you got satisfied customers you really and you don't have any disclaimer on your website that it's not authorized for sale yet and then the the in the on the website they they referenced a clinical trial and i thought well that's interesting and so i looked at the i read the report and i said to them did you open up an ide for this study? Uh, no, no, we got an IRB approval. Uh, it's a non-significant risk. Well, it's not a non-significant risk device, I can tell you that. They 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 stretched that. So that became the big issue of the inspection. And that is a warning letter. If I were FDA and I found out a company did a, a study, a significant risk study and didn't submit on it, they would get a warning letter. That's that's so so virtual inspections we know now already from F- from the data from 2021 can result in regulatory actions and you need to be prepared for that.
0: Excellent. So this is my last question and this kind of piggybacks on on what you were just talking about. Um, What would you advise companies that might not be confident in their readiness to accommodate these requests to do first to solve that? And how could a uh, outside consultant provide unique an important value there.
1: Well, I, again, uh, I think that, I've been working with Nick for 10 years and in the, in the things that, that is offered by the FDA group is the <laughs> FDA perspective on, he's got a lot of ex-FDA people working for him, including me, that uh, you can provide that FDA perspective. And I think companies should think about uh, having, uh, engaging uh, the FDA group or some other qualified consulting company to do a virtual audit. Uh, and, and get challenged on it. And, uh, and the first one I did was, you know, kind of winging it, but now I'm, I feel pretty comfortable at it. So uh, it may be a new service that uh, other companies will come up with. And why is it important? You don't want to learn from FDA that you got problems. Learn it from the consultant. There's no downside to it. You 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 take the information and you and you and you say, okay, we can fix it, <clears throat> and you're not in trouble. But if you if you wait for FDA and you get the 483 and it's bad, you're already in the regulatory pathway. So uh, I'm i think in the area of compliance uh, with the virtual inspections, uh, mock virtual inspections are probably a good thing to think about.
0: Yeah. Well, it's funny. Um, I've had some uh, clients or potential clients say, well, we were thinking about calling the FDA and having them come in. And I said, well, if you thought you were breaking the law, would you call the police and have them take a look? (laughs) You know, like that's... That's not what you do. You call a lawyer, or in this case, you'd call a consultant. <laughs> that
1: that is lawyer. funny. Uh, somebody who thinks of the FDA as a service organization, it's not. They're a law enforcement organization, and calling them yeah. in is not a smart thing to do. <laughs> no,
0: no. So, well, <clears throat> um, this has been really insightful, Larry, as always. I really appreciate it. Um, hopefully, um, I didn't uh, snort too much. I'm feeling a little under the weather. Um, plus, I uh, I made a mistake this morning. I went to take my daily multivitamin and I, I accidentally took melatonin. So I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of foggy. So yeah, hopefully okay. hopefully I didn't come off that way in this podcast. I oh, know.
1: No. You you, yeah, you
0: but um, as always, if you find conversations like this valuable, please share it with a colleague or your professional network. If you haven't already, subscribe to get updates of new episodes at the FDA slash podcast and follow the FDA group on LinkedIn. If you'd like to connect about project or resource needs, head over to thefdagroup.com to get in touch and feel free to connect with me personally on LinkedIn. So Larry, again, thank you so much. Thanks everyone for tuning in and uh, we'll see y'all next time.